You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. You're listening to The Overflow with MC Brooks on GGR Pirate Radio. Swing a fly ball, center field deep. Bellinger going back to the warning track, to the wall. It's a grand slam. Howie Kendrick with a grand slam here in the 10th inning of game five. The Nationals seven, the Dodgers three. Do you believe it? Pull the lever, Gronk. Run lever. Yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome back everyone to a brand new episode of The Overflow with MC Brooks here on the GGR Podcast Network. Now, I didn't put an episode out last week because I just needed to take some time off to re-energize and get myself together. However, I do have a dope episode lined up for you today. What you're about to listen to is the first half of a conversation that I had with author and friend of the show, Shamika Irby, where we discuss her writing, her most recent work, and pretty much what she's been up to since the last time that she was on. So before I go ahead and play that, make sure you go to greatgeekrefuge.com where you can hear earlier episodes of this podcast as well as episodes of our other podcasts like At The Diner and FedCon. And make sure you're following us on all of our social media accounts. We are Great Geek Refuge on Twitter and Instagram as well as Facebook where we have an active Facebook community. And if you'd like to support us, we are also on Patreon as well. So with that being said, enjoy the first half of this conversation. I'll be posting part two next week. Peace. This will be the first, this will be a first in overflow history. I've never had reoccurring guests before, but for the first time in the history of this podcast, I am having a special guest make make her second appearance, second overall appearance on this podcast way back in the months of uh, either 2018 or 2019. I can't remember when exactly it was. I interviewed uh, one of the dopest people I know, one of the best authors that I know, and one of the best writers that I know. She is just dope follow on Twitter where she talks about people getting pregnant as well as Marvel and many, many other things. And so I'd like to welcome my good friend and uh, a very accomplished writer and author, Shamika Irby, back to the overflow. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. All right. Well, welcome back. Uh, it's been quite a while Four since years. the last time, last time you've been on. Yeah, it's, it's been a lot. You know, so much has changed since the the last time that I last time that I that I had you on. Uh, this podcast has grown a ton. We've been doing so we've we've done so many different events. We've had a couple of different interviews. We 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 are just all over the place. However, the last time we had you on, we were talking at great length about your uh, book Heartbreak Alley, which came out that year, and also had a really dope. Um, uh, playlist that accompanied the great book itself. Also, if you're listening and you have not heard, make sure you are going to Amazon and wherever you find books to purchase the book and wherever you get your music and look up that, that playlist as well. But, you know, so much has happened. Uh, I'm sure a lot has changed in the four years since the last time that you've been on. So let's let's start right there. So you released Heartbreak Alley back then, but like Get you know, tell me and our and my listeners here like what you've been up to since then. What what came after? Well, Harvard Alley was man. After it, it was 
so heavy. Like it was, it was a huge kind of volume. And I didn't know if it was something that I wanted to um, try to recreate or if I wanted to do something that large again. I thought with that many words, maybe I should be moving on to an actual novel. So the funny thing is Nano happened that year. And I thought to myself, I'll take this opportunity to pull something out that I haven't done and see if I can finish it, you know, during November. And so, but when I went to start writing, um, I was getting a different kind of feel. All of a sudden, I was getting a short story. So I was like, okay. And you have to, when you're right, you have to go where your brain wants you to go. Like, that's mm -hmm. just the truth. So I wrote the short story. And then another one came to me the next day. And then another one came to me the next day. And another one came to me the next day. And so at the end of Nano, I did not have my novel finished, but I had a whole nother short story collection called Blood Ties. Mm. Uh, Blood Ties is just, Blood Ties was so much fun for me because it came so fast. It was almost like I wasn't even in control of it. So it was a great, um, opportunity for me so I came out with blood ties and it is um a short story collection all the stories have some element of love and a little bit of magic some horror some of them are kind of creepy and dark um and so there's you know just there's just all kinds of characters people can uh relate to um there's a story about a young woman who has a uh, clairvoyant grandmother uh, who uh, made her a scarf and how she inherits that power and everything that happens to uh, her at that point. And then there's another story about, <clears throat> there's another story about two women who want to have a baby and so, they pick a man to give them one, but uh, there's a bit of a side effect that they weren't quite ready for when the baby comes. Hmm. Uh, so there's, and there's, I mean, and then there's other things. So they all have just like this hint of just like, uh, just magic and just sort of a lot of spiritual elements and sometimes it's a little bit dark or whatever and a little bit creepy so blood ties was what happened after heartbreak alley um blood ties i'm super super duper proud of um just because it wasn't something i expected to do hmm. uh, sometimes it, it's like you write in a certain genre and you want to stretch yourself a bit, but you don't know if you can. And right. so I had like been interested previously in speculative fiction, but didn't think that I would be any good at writing it. And so Blood Ties was sort of my entrance into just me trying to tiptoe into that and, um, and kind of open my world up a bit more. And it got a great response. And I was so happy. Um that people really were feeling it. So blood ties, uh, but but I but blood ties was kind of where I drew a more forceful line creatively, mm -hmm. um, because after blood ties, I said to myself, I'm going to try something that's a little more lengthy. So 
blood ties was like my exit from shorts maybe not forever but for the foreseeable future um and so that happened and I was glad that it got that response because it was sort of like a I don't know that was like a curt call for me as far as you know me being a an essentially a short story writer and then I moved on and I was like what do I want to do next and a lot of times when uh I'm trying to jog something free writing wise mm-hmm. reading helps and, and so I started getting back into reading books and Mm, I read a couple of romance novels and then I dusted off a concept I had written years and years ago that wasn't going anywhere and a friend of mine was like you should write this and it was four sisters and they run a company and I kind of outlined how each one of them would fall in love like it's your basic uh Hallmark movie meets Harlequin romance type deal yeah uh and so just um and and I wanted it to be that way like I wanted it to be that way I do love love stories in any way that they come the ones that are just fraught with tension um full of drama and like I love all of them like romance is my favorite genre to read but writing it I wanted it to be easy like I always imagine that love would be if you're with the right person. So I wanted it to be um, sweet and romantic. And um, I didn't want it to, I didn't want to have to outline a bunch of struggle for them. Not that that, not that none of that's good because it's all good. Like I said, I read it all and I think it's all good. I just didn't want to write that personally. So I had these four sisters in my head And I started with one, the oldest sister, Uh, her name is Joanna, and I wrote the driver's seat and I put out the driver's seat and I thought, hmm, I don't know what's going to happen. And then people actually liked it. And my mom was, I don't know, like for my, like for my mom, uh, it was probably one of the best things I had ever done. She loved it. So for me, that was all of the motivation I needed to kind of keep it going Mm -hmm. and so then I went into the rest of my sisters so I did find my way back so um the driver's seat came out Valentine's Day last year okay and then find my way back the second book with the second oldest sister Zoe came out fourth of July last year and then uh a bunch of personal things had me kind of put writing on pause and so the third sister, Renata, and her book, The Officer and the Butterfly, didn't come out until this past, what month is, what month is this? This, this is, is August. This is August. This is August. Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> so The Officer and the Butterfly came out in March, I want to say. Okay. March of this, March of this year. And then... Um, and then uh, the, the no, I'm sorry. I'm getting that wrong. May of this year. May of this year. Okay. Good grief. Time is a myth. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so the third book, I, the third book, The Officer and the Butterfly with the third sister, uh, Renata, came out in May of this year. 
And uh, this past Monday, I released the fourth one with the youngest sister, Sylvia, called The Greatest Risk. So I've had five things come out since the last time the two of us did this together. Um, and now I'm just like, I don't know, just promoting The Greatest Risk and promoting the whole set. And I'm doing my very first author exhibit at a book festival in October. Ooh. What's the book festival? It's called the Right Women Book Festival. And it's in Glendale. If you are, if you live in Maryland, it's not far from Bowie. It's like right on top of it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Glendale, it's October, Saturday, October 8th. Oh, okay, uh, perfect. It's the Right Women. Well, firstly, I'm glad because I was thinking to myself, I was like, please don't be on the 14th, 21st or 28th. Because I will, I will, I will, I will not be able to come support if uh, <laughs> if it is. But I, I don't have anything planned for early October, so that actually does work out. Oh, good, good. So it's the Right Women Book Festival in Glendale, Saturday, October eighth. Um, I'm gonna be after. I'm gonna. I've been heavy on book promo, but after next week, I'm gonna blast some more on my social media. So it's my first author event quote unquote, like I've never done one of these before. So I'm super nervous. I've been thinking about, I don't know how it's going to go. And I'm just really hoping people come out and kind of, you know, want to support and want to try something new. And I'm really proud of these, um, these romance stories, like yeah. these, these sisters that I wrote, like I'm, I'm really proud of them just because it's, not something that I don't know I ever saw myself doing like I I don't know like I love to read romance so you know I didn't know and it's it's always good to kind of like spread your wings a little bit and get into but, something maybe you didn't know if you could do oh no I agree with that 110 percent and actually I was going to go in a different direction but now I want to I kind of want to piggyback on that and just ask kind of retroactively what is it about romance in particular that like draws you to as a reader that kind of inspired you to write this like what is it about those those types of novels that or, or those those types of stories that you really enjoy so much uh I just love the emotion it brings out in people mm -hmm. like I love to I love this how it can affect you as a reader but then also uh the writing of it just I love because I'm as a writer like one of my biggest strengths <clears throat> sorry I'd have to say one of my biggest strengths is talking about how people are feeling like all writers work on things I work on my setting constantly because backdrop is hard for me so describing where people are is something I constantly have to practice <laughs> yeah. um, and work on but describing how people are feeling I'm 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 really, really good at that. And, and romance does that in spades. Like more than any other genre, romance spends a lot of the exposition talking about how pe people are feeling, which kind of calls out to somebody like me who has that same strength. So I like I like the emotion of it. Um, and then, I don't know, I think, I think everything can be a love story if you look at it right, so. 
I agree with that because <laughs> because honestly and like I'm kind of that way with almost every like every kind of media that I kind of watch or kind of take in I'll watch it and I'm like all right so who 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 are we pairing together on here like who's who's the two is it, is it these two you know is, is there some poly thing happening like let, let, let me let me figure out what's going on here because I'm someone who also just loves love too and mm -hmm. like I've been the what's gotten me through the vast majority of the pandemic has literally just been watching a ton of romance stuff be it anime tv shows uh looking forward in a lot of the superhero or like fantasy media like i i love all of it <laughs> and and I, I like i agree with everything that you were saying about kind of uh the like the emotion that can pull out of people because like even like you talking about like the you wanted these these stories to be easy those are like my favorite kinds of romance stories where like i'm not looking at well you know they're together through tough times when x y and z is going on or personal trauma or it's trauma bonding that just turns into romance like it's sometimes just nice just in general like it, it doesn't even have to be specifically a romance thing but it's just nice in general just to like not watch people struggle in something we have enough going on in like out in like real life that sometimes that escape is just nice and you know what it's escape for me on a personal level because um i guess if i could be a little bit more honest romantically i have struggled a lot and so i never wanted to write characters that did that like i wanted to write people who met somebody and found their rhythm. Um, because I know it's possible, um, but it's kind of, it, it feels like something that has always been more of a hopeful thing for me. So I always wanna write characters that have an easy time romantically because I have not mm -hmm. um, just, for just on a personal level. So I, I, if for me, it's, I, <laughs> I don't write, you know, like the, <clears throat> you know, like the, the dramatic moments or whatever. I'm not saying that, you know, people never have issues or problems, but it's mm -hmm. like yeah. those huge dramatic moments. I've had them in my real life. And so um, <laughs> I'm not going to write them. Uh, like, that's just, I'm not going to do that. Um, and they're and, and you know they can be fun to read too and right. everything everything has its place because like i said i love all of it but uh just writing wise i'm just like i'm not gonna put my characters through anything that so, i have been through so so um, with so with that too what has the response been to like these stories in particular like with people who have reviewed it or like told or read it and, and told you how they felt about it, has it been positive in terms of like how you're writing these characters and their stories or like, or have, like, have there been people who are like, this feels weird because they haven't gone through anything for like for, for the payoff in the end? What's the response been when, like while you were working on these? So, all right. So, let me just start with um, another true confession. Uh, my official reviews, 
like my Amazon reviews, my Goodread reviews, what I don't read them. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I'm, <laughs> um, I'm too sensitive to read my reviews. Like honestly, um, I don't go down that road. Uh, I can see how many stars I'm averaging, and right now for all of the books I'm averaging, I guess about maybe four somewhere between four and a quarter to four and a half stars out of five, which means the books are getting a good response and I'm mm -hmm. happy about that. But I'm sure there's one or two reviews in there that I'm not gonna wanna see. So I don't um, read them. Plus as somebody who reads a lot, honestly, as somebody who reads a lot, <clears throat> readers should be able to be honest without mm -hmm. feeling like they're gonna face backlash or like the author's going to get in their feelings so um besides me being too sensitive i'm one of those people that feels like reviews are for other readers like i don't read my reviews because they ain't none of my business like <laughs> like you know like the reviews aren't for me they're right. for they're for other readers um and as a reader as a reader i've read books that i have not enjoyed and I've always reviewed them honestly. Mm -hmm. um, but I always make it a point to, I always make it a point to tell you what I did like. So, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to hear like what you just said. So along those, so officially, I don't read my reviews. I have had people come and tell me now, most of the response I get from my sisters is overwhelmingly positive. People are right. just like, Shamika, we love them. I can't wait for the next one. I'm so glad. And, some, and somebody flat out told me that she liked that they didn't struggle um, love-wise. But I have had one or two people tell me it didn't feel right because they didn't go through enough. Hmm. So that, but that has been rare like I could count it on one hand most people that most people that jump out there with me and like tell me what they think it's usually positive uh, but there could be something like that in my written reviews which I will not know because I will not read them <laughs> so, right, cool. yeah I mean because I, I was actually just uh just reading I was I was looking through them while when you were talking because I was I was I was mainly just curious and they are mostly they are over, overwhelmingly positive for the for the record without like getting into specifics about anything um but but with that too so I'm, I'm curious now what was the process like in terms of writing like when you're writing something a bit more fleshed out between the shorter stories which you were doing before and now so like in which ways did your process differ in terms of you're writing a longer story that's not just couple pages that's not just a chapter or two so what, what was what was that like so it was hard for me because in shorts you have to get as much out with as little time and space as possible and so the first thing you have to do when you move into longer work is learn how to slow down hmm. and so there is oh like there are so it's like I can write the key elements to the story and let it be two chapter two or three chapters long but it's like nah and I it, it for the first time because this was like my first real foray into like longer stuff I have written longer stuff but 
this was something that I was going to be official and I knew it was going to be a series. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I was going to do one sister at a time or whatever. So I had to outline some stuff, which normally that's not my thought process at all. I don't outline. I'm not one of those people. Um, <laughs> no, my writing is super duper emotional. And so trying to apply a lot of those practical elements that people do that they say help them don't help me. Um, so but for this one, it was like, I have to have some kind of structure or I'm never going to make this last as long as I know it needs to. And so it's like full novel length is somewhere like 60 to 80,000 words. Mm -hmm. So I, so it's like, so I wanted to put it more in the novella range. So I was like, I'm going to cap myself at 40 for this first book. And so for the driver's seat, I was like, I'm going to have a 40,000 word cap to see if I can make 40,000 words. And I did. And so it was like the process of slowing myself down took a, uh, that that took a minute. Um, So that was the first thing I had to do. And the second thing that I had to do was learn how to, like, along with slowing down, you have to learn how to pace your characters and not just yourself. So um, I had to write slower, not slower, but I had to write fuller, which means go slower um, because I'm filling up more pages. I'm writing more words. I had to write fuller. So I had to go slower and then I had to pace myself with the way that I introduced their personalities because it's like it's because it's like in a short story a lot of that is just right up front first couple of paragraphs exposition because you're going to get right into what the character is doing so you only have a set amount of time to tell people who they are right and so um I had to learn how to pace myself uh, as far as what I shared about them. So I'm just like, all right, we're going to learn this and this and this and this. And so I, it's like, I had like little blocks, like this is the part where I'm going to introduce, hang on one second. Sure. Sorry. Um, but it was like, this is the part where I'm going to introduce um, more of her personality. This is the place where I'm going to do, you know, an internal monologue where you know how she's feeling about certain things and so it, it it was like I had to break myself up and put those elements in and then the other thing we talked about previously about how I have trouble with settings right. that was the other thing I had to learn how to do like Shamika you have to practice writing where these people are like not just in life <laughs> or in their heads but where they're physically standing so it was like lots of description and like the driver's seat took more revision than I've ever done with anything because it was like I have to learn how to build a story instead of just telling one right um so it so the process was it was it was a lot harder it was a lot harder because um I don't know. My brain sometimes moves faster than my hands. So it's like, <laughs> it's it, it's hard for me to learn how to just be like, okay, 
this can go it's and you know and then I would write like pages or descriptions out of the blue and just be like I'm gonna stick that somewhere but I don't know where yet and so <laughs> it's like <clears throat> so you have to get a feel for putting it together so like these like the the McNeil love stories came together like puzzle pieces sort of and where I wasn't doing that before so it's like I had to kind of fit different elements together and for each for the first three I had to make sure that I was doing enough to set up for the next book so that was another piece that I had to work in so it, it came so it came together like a puzzle um right which which I wasn't doing before it was just like oh I have a character in my head. Let's write some stuff. And then I would write five or six pages and it would be like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> I mean, that actually, you, you kind of bled into the, the, the next thing I was going to ask you about, which is the connectivity of the books. Like, how do you balance that when you are, you said you, are, you already knew it was going to be a series involving all four sisters. So how did you balance that in terms of writing, in terms of, making sure that you're telling the story with the sister that you're focusing on, but also making sure that the other sister, I mean, cause I'm, I'm, I'm guessing because unfortunately I've yet to read them that the other sisters are, they, they do pop up in these books. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. So that, so that's my question. How did you find that balance between making sure you're focusing on, you know, the sister that this particular story is about, but also building on the sisters who may have come before and also making sure that you're setting up for who's coming next. So one of the things I did to make it easy on myself was their sisters and they run a company. So there's, so there's always going to be an element of them being together in every book. Like right. there's, there's, multiple like there's pieces of them being together talking to each other getting advice from each other so building their relationship makes that easier so and the other thing i did was i gave some connectivity not just to the sisters but to the people that they fell in love with so that was another way i made it easier on myself so the first book is about the oldest sister joanna she falls in love with a man named Ryan. Now, Joanna and Ryan are the only two couples, I mean, are the only couple that were two strangers to each other when the book began. Oh, okay. Everybody else is connected somehow to those two. So in the next book, Zoe, and Zoe is, uh, and the trope I use for Zoe's is what they call in the, romance world Zoe's my second chance romance because she gets back with her ex okay so I just had to build their history so it was easier <clears throat> it was easier to work in elements of Zoe and then since I knew Zoe was coming next I could throw in those flashes of Zoe just being um angry and really tough and kind of seeming a little bitter and maybe sad um because this man left her so um and so and then so it was easy to build that connectivity just have flashes of zoe even when she's interacting with joanna 
mm-hmm. um, just being this like kind of tough nut to crack or whatever. It gives you a little bit of insight into her. And then at the end of Joanna's book, I wrote an excerpt for Zoe's book that I stuck in the back of it. So you knew you know Zoe's coming and you know what's going to happen to her. So um, if you get to the end of the driver's seat and you read the excerpt from Find My Way Back, then you know that Zoe's up next. And then you know that the person that she's going to end up with is this man who left her that reappears. So, um, so that so that gave me the connectivity, and it helped me build Zoe a little bit easier because her and Tariq—that's his name—her and Tariq were not strangers to each other. So the third sister, Renata, her connected piece was she ended up with Tariq's best friend. Okay. And so Renata and Caleb, that's his name. Renata and Caleb have a bit of the enemies to lovers trope going on because they don't like each other at first. They're attracted to each other. They don't like each other. So um, so it helped me build that connectivity there. That, um, And then at the end of it, and then so one of the things I also did in the driver's seat when I introduced Ryan was I introduced his best friend, Sean. Um, It helps because sometimes I'm writing from uh, Ryan's point of view and he's, I mean, and who else is he going to be talking to? So, um, (laughs) yeah. um, So I introduced, uh, when I'm introducing Ryan, I also introduced his best friend. So by the time I got to the fourth book, most people had already figured out that Sylvia was going to end up with Ryan's best friend, mm-hmm. Sean, who also happens to be her son's teacher. But I bring that together. So it's like in the first book, I made sure that I was building those connecting pieces. And so um, I wouldn't think of it as cheating, but it's a way <laughs> I, I would, I mean, I wouldn't, but it's, it's a way I definitely made things easier on myself. Like Joanna and Ryan were the only two strangers that fell in love. Everybody else knew each other. So it helped me in Joanna's book to build those connected pieces. And then people could kind of guess where I was going, which was fine with me. It's not a secret. Right. So, um, and then people could kind of guess where I was going. And then I made sure that in Joanna and Zoe's and Renata's books, there was always an excerpt to whatever book was coming next. Coming next. My mind was like, I was trying to find the right way to word, like the next thing that I wanted to ask you. So, uh, cause something that I'm, I'm, I'm curious about in terms of these characters um, are like, as far as their personalities, when you're coming up with characters for these stories and when you come, were coming up with them, for these stories in particular, um, where did you find the inspiration for them? Like, are some of them based on real people? Did you piece, are they based on some of your own experiences? Uh, kind of where did, where did you draw to kind of write some of these stories? Draw from to write some of these stories? Uh, I drew from women that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, just Just women that I know, but I make, but it's like, it's a thing where I wanted them to be different enough so that <clears throat> there was a distinction 
um, between the sisters and one that you could see and kind of point out like that was really important to me that they all not sound like the same person right um and so it was like once I found so going back to my previous answer Mm -hmm. once I figured out who Joanna was going to be everybody else became easier just it was exponentially easier um just because I was able to make Joanna just like my basic archetype. And then for my the other sisters, it's like, I can pull things away from Joanna or add them to her to make her a completely different person. Right. And then she, and then, you know, it becomes that. So, but I pulled them from people that I know and they also all have an element that I can tie back to myself. Um, which uh, I know is very Leo of me, but still, <laughs> uh, but they're my characters, so it's okay. So, uh, so yes, so they are drawn from real life people that I know and the things that they've gone through, and they all just have an element that traces them back to me, right, awesome. or that's like me. <laughs> uh, so, in what ways would you say? your writing has evolved since you started on the first book to writing this final book were, were there things were there things that were easier this time around you know did you you know like what would how how did your writing evolve uh sylvia was the longest book and i feel like she was i'm not gonna say the easiest because i mean but the framework came together much faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and so I feel like I've evolved in the sense that I'm really a bit more confident about my ability to write a romantic story. Like not, um, and people who have read my short stories and my shorter work, even people who have read something like Heartbreak Alley, uh, a lot of people would think, you know, like, I've had somebody tell me, but Shamika, you write about love, love all the time. And I do, I do. I write about love all the time. I don't always write about romance though. And I don't always write about passion. And so these things kind of gave me just a confidence boost to feel like, okay, I can write a romance novel. Like I could, I can really do this. And it, it will, and it evolved me in the way like, I feel like my writing is more sure. Mm-hmm. I like to, I like to think that, and I tell everybody this, like everything I come out with at that moment is the best thing that I've ever done. And so that's how I want to feel about it. Like, I want to feel like I gave this my all and I did what I could do or whatever. And people are going to have their preferences. What you like right. more is what you like more. But for me, Skill-wise, the greatest risk is the best thing I've ever done. Um, I know, like, I'm involved into my my uh, setting writing has gotten loads better. So I can write locations. <laughs> I can write, like, really, I can write locations way better now. Um, I can 
And I'm also writing more concisely. Okay. So my work has evolved in that way. So the fact that Sylvia ended up with more words when I'm learning how to write in a more concise manner impresses me because it's like that means that every word I put down I needed to so um because just because from reading it's like I read a ton of books that are just extremely wordy like I read them and it's just like I feel like oh I could have cut thousands of words up off of this mm-hmm. or whatever so it's um one of the things i like to say uh about books like that is they use a lot of words to tell only a little bit of story and so i didn't want to be like that so right. i so i feel like i've evolved in that way like i'm a lot more concise and just um focused on writing the necessary words I want to touch on something because you mentioned some. You mentioned something that I was actually going to go. I was going to go back to. She just mentioned it a second ago, so I'm 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 curious because, you know, I, as a musician, a lot of times you'll hear that musician like when when I'm working on a project or something. A lot of times we try to like cut off distractions or we don't listen to other people's stuff for fear that we might try to emulate or copy like what they're doing. So as someone who is a who is also a reader and consumer of books, like when you're working on your own stuff, how do you kind of enjoy the stuff that you're reading and you're taking in, but making sure that you yourself are not like, you know, like take just rehashing what someone else is doing when you're working on your own stuff? So um, this is a really good question uh, because I kind of made a TikTok about this. I'm on TikTok now. <laughs> um, so I'm one of those really lucky people that has my brain do that for me. So, okay. uh, so, and what I mean by that is when there are words in my head to write, I cannot read a book. My mind will not let me. Like I can't focus. I don't understand. I don't, I haven't, I haven't absorbed or comprehended anything that I've read, if my, like, if I have words to write, my brain is in writing mode, I can try to read a book, it's not going to work. And so, <laughs> and so I'm not one of those people who toggles back and forth really easily. Um, I'm not one of those, and, and this is why I'm also not one of those people who um, reads multiple, like more than one book at a time. Like my brain is very singularly we, focused. we're the same in that regard because like I, I i'm can't not do it. <laughs> i'm not that so uh and then when i'm in and so when i get out of writing mode i can get back into reading mode with no guilt and i can absorb everything and i can you know and i don't have to worry that i'm taking it back to my laptop later and letting somebody else's style or thoughts kind of spill down onto my pages because more than likely, if I'm in heavy reading mode, I'm not writing anything at all. My brain just doesn't work like, it won't let me work like that. And so when I'm writing, I don't have to be concerned about that because more than likely, I don't have enough focus to read a book. So uh, yeah, so I'm one of those uh, lucky people whose brain kind of takes care of that for them. Yeah, lucky. Yeah, definitely lucky because 
I definitely had a moment a couple weeks ago where I, I got this melody stuck in my head just to realize it was like a Spanish house song I heard two years ago that I just hadn't heard since. And, I, and that's that's where I got the inspiration from. That, <laughs> so I was kind of, yeah, so I was, I've, I've always kind of wondered that just about other creatives about how they are with um, other people's stuff and, and inspiring and, and inspiring their own, their own stuff. So with, uh, you know, this being the, is this the final book for the McNeil series? Yes, it's the last one. So what, you know, for, you know, my audience who has, who for the most part will probably be unfamiliar uh, with your work outside of Heartbreak Alley, since we, uh, we talked about that. Um, what are, like, what themes or what elements or what message is there for, that you, do you hope that people take away from, you know, your, your writing of these? Well, okay. So one of the most important things that um, I did with the McNeil sisters is they're all fat girls. Like that was super important to me because I'm a fat girl. So like, and it's just like, if, for me, it's like, if I, if I'm just going to take if I want to push any message across, it's just kind of that fat people are just out here existing, minding their business. We do regular shit, like go to work and meet people and fall in love. And so like these sisters are like, but it's, but for, for, and I wrote them as fat women, but just as a matter of course, like there's no way in the story where I'm harping on that. They're mm -hmm. not on some weight loss journey. I don't give them a fitness subplot, none of that shit, because I hate all of it. It's all trash. All, all, all of it. I hate any story. Like, I, I don't understand or I don't like, I have to say, I don't like, I don't like the need to put um, plus size women on some kind of like wellness or fitness journey anytime you're writing them in a place where they have to be sexy right or or attractive to other people um i don't like that uh so they don't have any of that going on like it's just as a matter of course i might mention once or twice what size they are and so it's like and and the men that they fall in love with you know in looking at them and thinking about them are describing their bodies in such a way that you know that they're bigger like everywhere and so um that's just something I wanted to kind of push across or whatever that it's you know that they're just these are just regular women and their sisters and they're doing something great with their lives and carrying on their family legacy and they're gonna fall in love and it's gonna be beautiful and so um I wanted to kind of get that so if there was any kind of messaging I wanted to push it it probably first and foremost was that. And then just also just the messaging of, you know, just love can be sweet and gentle and still be urgent and passionate. Like it's like, you know what I mean? Like it can be all yeah. of those things. Um, and it can be urgent <clears throat> and passionate without necessarily being toxic or dramatic which you know there's nothing wrong with it's just I don't write that so 
um, I guess, I guess if that was, if there was any kind of messaging, it would be those things. No, I, I'm, I'm with you 110% because I, I know I, I said this to you off air that I was kind of working on my own thing, my own, my own story myself, but I kind of had a similar thought process because both of my main characters are also plus size people. <laughs> like I, and I did that intentional because for the most part, like I, I love JRPGs, I love fantasy series, but for the most part, everyone is very rarely like not paper thin when they're right. going around swinging swords and casting magic and doing all this stuff. And, and if they are there, they're largely the, the, uh, the comic relief character or someone is right. making some reference to, oh, you've been, you've been eating up the farm today, I can see. You know, just little unnecessary commentary about their body types or just or something about them that's just like, that didn't really need to be in there. You don't need to highlight in a negative manner that aspect of who that, who that person is. And, like, and none of that pushes the story forward. It's exactly. all just filler. It's all filler. And it's very unkind filler. None of that pushes the story forward. Oh no, I, I I agree 110%. Like uh so like it makes me happy because uh between what you just said about your story and uh uh my friend Cheyenne who I had on here a couple couple months ago talking about their story, like I, I love that we're seeing more intentional choices being made to write characters where that's not part of their character arc or their journey, or it's just not part of the story where it's a thing right. that comes up you know they need to they need to overcome their fatness exactly. in order to get love or accomplish this task or gain this this sort of success or notoriety so like that that makes me me glad to hear and i'm i'm hoping you know all all of you all in my audience who are listening that you are going out and supporting Shamika and buying her books uh so where where can the people go and find them Okay, so I'm on Amazon. So it, so I'm on Amazon. You can look for the McNeil Love Stories on Amazon. You can get them in paperback or Kindle. If you have Kindle Unlimited, they're all in the KU program. So you can just, what, how does that work? They borrow them, I guess? I guess, I'm not sure. I don't have Kindle. I, mean, I, don't, have the, I, don't, I don't have Kindle Unlimited, but I think it's a... I think it's a, a, a monthly uh, borrowing kind of okay. subscription thing, but they are, they are all on KU. So if you are on Kindle Unlimited, you can read them. Um, but yeah, you can buy them for your Kindle and you can buy them paperback and they're on Amazon. So yeah. So I don't know, check me out if you want to. Please, please, please go do that everyone. And so my, my next question now, before we uh, transition is, do you have an idea of what's next? And I like I realized I realized, you know, like in the aftermath of you know you just finished this series, the 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 book is barely over a week old at this point. So you know, but I, I know how like as a creative, I know how I operate. Like I always just have something that I'm working on that I'm working towards. So with that, with you know having you know your you know this first you know, kind of more extended series uh, works, the, these extended works that you've done. Do you know what's next? Do you have an idea of what perhaps, and you don't, have, you don't have to spoil, like you don't have to say exactly, but do you have an idea of what you might want to do next after? Yes. Um, 
I'm thinking of doing another romance novel because I really enjoyed that. But I have three major, not major, but <laughs> three <laughs> works in progress that I put a significant amount of words into. And so I'm currently, uh, one of my friends is doing me the wonderful favor of, of reading them and giving me a consult, um, AKA telling me which one they think has the most potential so I could put my full force of creativity behind that one instead of just skipping from project to project. So, um, so whatever one of my three works in progress, my friend decides uh, she likes, the most <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh so and one of them is one of them is yeah one of them is speculative so we'll we'll we'll, we'll see how that works out but I do I would love to write a room another romance song with them is there fun. is there an element of romance that you haven't written about that you would like to write with one of these next uh works um I, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like some of it, maybe I should read more of it. Mm -hmm. But uh, I feel like, um, I don't know, maybe something culinary. I like food. We'll see what happens. I like food too. So yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll, <laughs> You'll definitely be back when you when if you do end up doing that because yeah I'm I'm totally totally here for that. So that'll do it for the first half of my conversation with author and friend of the show Shamika Irby. Make sure you tune in next week to hear part two of our conversation. Make sure you go follow Shamika on all of her social media platforms at Shamika Writes on Twitter and Instagram and Shamika the Writer on TikTok. Also, make sure you are following Great Geek Refuge on all of our social media accounts. Great Geek Refuge on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to support us. And be sure to go to Great Geek Refuge where you can find early episodes of my podcast, including my prior conversation with Shamika, as well as a ton of our other content as well. With that being said, thank you for listening, and make sure you tune in next week. Peace. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs>